You're listening to Strange by Nature, your guide to the strange, weird, unbelievable, and improbable wonders of the natural world. Hello, everyone. Thanks for being here today. I am Kirk Mona, and I am joined today by Rachel Ginza and Victoria Thompson. We are all professional naturalists who together have scoured the world for weird and wonderful wonders just to please your mammalian brain's desire for novelty. Isn't that nice? Let's do this. You know, humans, we have incredibly short lifespans, and we're pretty awful at figuring out where things fall like on a timeline, like relative to when things happened. Uh, maybe you guys have played uh, the, the tabletop game Timelines. You ever played this? Never no. Never heard of it. Sorry. What uh, is it's, that? It, it's like a, well, it's like a game where you get little like cards that have things that happened in historical events, and you have to put them in the right order. And even when they're things that happened like in your lifetime, turns out it's really hard to remember mm-hmm. when things even happened that you know about. And when you start getting into historical stuff, it's even harder. And uh, people often get surprised to learn that like the order things happened. Uh, for example. People, uh, one of the fun things out there online is that uh, a lot of people talk about Cleopatra mm-hmm. actually lived closer to the invention of podcasts than she did to the building of the Great Pyramids. I did know that, that, actually. Yeah, or that like Oxford University is a couple hundred years older than the Aztec civilization. Or, yeah, right, or that fax machines were invented about the same time the United States issued the first postage stamps, which was also around when the Liberty Bell first cracked. So, like, these are things we don't think go together on a timeline. Right? Kirk, so human Yeah. I'm still stuck am, on fax machines. Sorry. Right. Also, I'm <laughs> know, not right? surprised in the slightest that that is a board game that you have played. Oh sure. I have several editions of it. I'll have you over to play sometime. I'd love uh, that. So I think, you know, we're bad about thinking about times in terms of just like a few lifetimes, like wh- how things happen. It gets even messier when we go back further in time. And so that's a little bit about what I talk about today. Uh, I want to talk about how long things have been around. I think when people think about periods of time, uh, the, sort of your average person thinks about modern time, ancient right. human history, and then dinosaurs. And I think <laughs> in a lot of people's minds, that's how the history of the earth is broken up. It's now old people and dinosaurs i'm pretty sure there was something between there wasn't there well there's a whole lot of stuff yeah and the problem is that uh we probably weight human history far too heavily in the history of the earth in fact if you were to compress the entire history of the earth into one 24-hour period uh dinosaurs don't actually show up until uh, a little bit after 11 p.m in that day (laughs) so most most of the earth's history dinosaurs like they only show up at the very end and uh, the dinosaurs are pretty new, but so are humans then, because we came much later. Uh, humans probably show up somewhere in Africa at about 11.59 and 23 seconds. So, like, just <laughs> about 30 seconds before the day, the entire day is over. It's like, oh, hey, humans, right? But that's not, even mo- that's not even modern humans. Like, modern humans that have something we would recognize as more the sort of humans who have language and tools and things like that show up two seconds before midnight and those two seconds represent a hundred thousand years of human history kirk why are you giving me an existential crisis (laughs) well when when we start thinking about history the point is that like we are really bad about visualizing this right so it's fun to have some tools like that um 
So most of the history on Earth obviously happens well before those last two seconds, and most of it actually happens uh, before the dinosaurs actually happen, which is only in that last like half hour of the day. So I want to think about today, what are those things that are around today that are older than dinosaurs? So that's my topic for today. Uh, now, before I go into this list, we need to kind of think about this because I should point out that the age of the dinosaurs is not one thing. Uh, most of the dinosaurs we think of are from the Cretaceous time period, which was from about 65 to 144 million years ago. These are the big famous ones like T-Rex, Velociraptor, Parasaurolophus, Dionychus. Uh, and before that, I thought the they Jurassic were in the Jurassic time well, yeah right because jurassic park ruined this for everybody right so jurassic period is when you have things like stegosaurus and the long neck dinosaurs like apatosaurus and the like but be very clear velociraptors and t-rex uh and say the you know apatosaurus may have been together in jurassic park the movie they are not both from the jurassic time period i guess cretaceous uh, park just didn't it does not it. sound as good. No, it certainly doesn't. Uh, so the Jurassic was from 144 to 206 million years ago. And then you also have the Triassic. And the Triassic, uh, there really aren't any famous dinosaurs from the Triassic <laughs> that the average person has heard of. Possibly. Here's the thing. like The Triassic is when dinosaurs were sort of first coming on the scene. So a lot of the classic ones you learn as a kid, the big famous ones, uh, are from the Jurassic and the Cretaceous. Uh, but there certainly were things we call dinosaurs during the Triassic. The Triassic was uh, 206 to 248 million years ago, which I know is meaningless to humans. Like those numbers don't mean a lot to yeah, us. Yeah, so, that just skates across the surface of my brain. Like, okay. Oh yeah, well, that's again, a lot. I have no idea what that means, but because, that's a lot. Because we're horrible at picturing time, I do have to point out one of my favorite facts, is, which is that we are closer in history to the T-Rex than the T-Rex was to the Stegosaurus. I hate that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, again, the age of the dinosaurs lasted for hundreds of millions of years. So it, compared to how long humans have been on the Earth, it's just like this tiny little blip. And we're bad at picturing even how long a human lifespan is. So uh, just bear that in mind as we go through these. Oh, man. So... Everything on my list is not doesn't necessarily predate all dinosaurs, but they at least predate some dinosaurs. Got it? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. First up, we got bees. Yes. So, right. Bees. Yes. I know we love bees. Uh, they're from the Cretaceous time period, so they're at least as old as some dinosaurs. They don't fossilize real well, as you can imagine, so we don't know exactly when they arose, but we're pretty sure that they came about when flowering plants became a thing, which was during the Cretaceous at some point. So this first one's a little bit of a cheat, but I'm going alphabetically. So uh, dinosaurs or uh, bees probably predated some dinosaurs. I'll take Fair it. Enough? I'll All right, take thank it. you. How I about like brachiop these. brachiopods? What a pod? Remind me what those are. Brachiopods, these are... Um, you know, uh, like a bivalve in the ocean. They oh, have two, two yeah. shells, oh, yeah. but they are uneven. So the two halves are not the same size. So not right? a clam. So, yeah. So brachiopods um, at one point were like the dominant, like underwater life. They're still around today, uh, but not not anywhere. They never recovered from their, their, you know, fall from greatness, but they were around 530 million years ago i will remind you the triassic ended 248 million years ago wow 
So that is double <laughs> the amount of time. Yeah. Which breaks my brain. All right. We also have cockroaches. I know of you love course. cockroaches. Uh, they're from the Carboniferous period, which is 360 million years ago. So cockroaches predate dinosaurs by 112 million years. People aren't going to like that. I don't, I don't <laughs> like it at all. I really don't like cockroaches. And I do, I'll take a little time out here to remind you that, uh, you know, things evolve over time. So right. these animals that were back then are not going to look exactly the same as the ones we have now, but they are very close relatives and you would recognize them as what they were. Uh, a lot of them were actually larger in the past, which people also won't like. Yeah. Uh, no, crocodilians, no. crocodilians, 251 million years ago in the Mesozoic. Uh, so again, 251, that's, that's before the Triassic. Crocodilians are going to be today things like crocodiles and alligators. Again, they were not exactly crocodiles, not exactly alligators, but uh, you would recognize them for what they were. Yeah. My uncle has uh, one in his backyard named Fred. There you go. Uh, so if we have, those are all animals, right? So I want to talk about plants as well. Ferns, ferns are very early plants, uh, that reproduce through spores. 360 million years ago, they were around with the cockroaches Ooh. and pine trees. Okay. Pine trees. Now this one's a little hard to say exactly when they came, but maybe as much as 153 million years ago, which does predate all of the Cretaceous dinosaurs. Wow. Pretty impressive. Ginkgo trees. Now, the three of us, uh, we, you know, are professional naturalists here in Minnesota. We have a lot of ginkgo trees in Minnesota, mm -hmm. pretty much thanks to one nursery uh, here in the Twin Cities that decided they wanted to import tons of these and make them uh, a tree all, we have all over the yeah, place. Street street trees, trees yeah, there's trees everywhere. And they, they're pretty cool. They go back 298 million years now not the exact ones we have now but members of this ginkgo family uh, they're from the permian so they are before oh my God. all of the dinosaurs oh wow so Most do you think that their trees, fruit yeah. do you think that their fruit still smelled like dog poop back uh that long ago i would assume so yeah yeah they, the, the one of the things they've tried really hard i know where we live is to only plant the male trees so that we don't get the fruit because the fruit is the fruit is stinky. Uh, now, here's the thing. Most of the trees people are familiar with are angiosperms. So think like maples, oaks, things like that. Um, they evolved with the flowering plants in the Cretaceous time period. Right. So that, that, so, but not the pines and not the ginkgos. How about sea stars? Or what some people call starfish, which I hate that yeah. name. Sea uh -huh. stars. Sea yep, stars. They're early Jurassic. Sea turtles. Mm -hmm. Jurassic. Uh, yes. Sharks. Oh my gosh, Ooh, sharks. Sharks are so oh. cool. You sharks predate the Triassic uh, 450 million years ago. Wow. They predate the Triassic by a long shot. Now, sharks that, start to, sharks that start to look more familiar, that would look more familiar to us, are more from the time of the dinosaurs. But something that was very clearly a shark uh, was around uh, 450 million years ago. This is one of my special like topics that I was really into as a kid or even into high school, I've done a lot of research projects on sharks, so. Oh, yeah, man. when you were a kid, sure. Like last week is what you're saying, you're really into. I'm not, I'm not I'm saying you were really sharks. young. I'm just saying, yeah, you're still into sharks, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, very much. How about um, horseshoe crabs? 
I love this one. Horseshoe crabs are uh, 445 million years ago, right at the beginning of the <laughs> Triassic. And horseshoe crabs are pretty special because they pretty much look the same now as they did then. They are probably the animal that has changed the least over time. Not exactly the same, but they have evolved very little because they're really successful. They, they This design sort of works. And uh, horsetails. Now, you might know what horsetails are. Some people may not. Yeah, horsetails yeah. are a plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, they grow in marshy areas. Some people call them tinker toys because you can kind of pop the different segments apart. Uh, they are from They're the carnivor- carboniferous period. Uh, so back with the cockroaches. And uh, this is where all the coal in the world comes from. was pretty much from giant forests of horsetails. They could grow to be 100 feet tall. Trees were not around there. So basically they were taking that niche of what trees fill now. So there were enormous horsetails on earth, these really cool plants, and they predate the dinosaurs. And you can go down to a wet spot today and find them growing. That's crazy. Yeah, my mind is pretty much splattered on the walls here. Sorry, that was really gross. (laughs) Nice. Uh, I will say, how dare you give me an existential crisis again? That's what I'm here for, Rachel. I'll tell you what, you got a little bit of time to recover. We're going to go for a break, and then it's your turn to be up. Kirk here with a quick note. If you're enjoying the show, be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review. It helps other lovers of The Strange find our show. You can also find and follow us on social media. Search for Strange by Nature Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or come visit us at strangebynaturepodcast.com. We'll see you there. Now, back to the show. All right. Now that we've all been, uh, our brains are everywhere due to Kirk's existential timing here, I'm going to talk about a koala. Oh, yeah. So those, of us, those people who follow us on uh, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter have seen a little uh, sneak preview of some interesting. I'll just call it an interesting koala fact. Are you gonna? Are you gonna? It made touch him a little less fact? cute, to be honest. It'll, it, it's a little tiny blip on my uh, on my notes here. Now, all right. Well, we'll keep we'll keep it a secret. Keep you in suspense. All right. So koalas, uh, they are a marsupial, which is a type of mammal. There's three different types of mammals. There's the mon- monotreme, the marsupial, and then there the placental mammals, which is what is all over the planet most of the time all of the time um so what qualifies a marsupial is that it uses a qualifies (laughs) 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 i see what you did there that was not on purpose um so they have a pouch that they use to raise their young right so they come out of their mother's vagina and they just go right into the pouch and they attach themselves to a nipple. We're going to go with the scientific term and they stay there for several weeks. Uh, and they're really they're like evolved. undeveloped when they first are born, right? Yes. They're extremely undeveloped. Uh, I'm not going to go too much into that. Maybe another time, but what makes koalas interesting is they can live up to about 20 years in the wild which is much longer than i thought koalas could live i don't know about you guys 
I'm like, I don't know if I ever thought about it. Yeah, I'm going to admit that the thought has never crossed my mind. I'm going to go, I would have thought 21 years. That's odd. I think I maybe would have guessed like 12. So, yeah. 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 Um, Now that's up to, that's like the maximum. Because what happens uh, is they, koalas themselves are generally not the most active animal. So they can live a little bit longer periods of time because they spend anywhere from 18 to 22 hours a day sleeping. <laughs> oh, wow. So, that sounds real relaxed. They don't do much. They do not do much. Uh, is that, do you know, is that related to their, their diet? Like, do they have not? It is, yes. Okay. So the reason why they sleep that much is because of their diet, actually. So their diet consists mostly of eucalyptus leaves. And koalas actually are thought of as very fussy eaters because they get particular about which eucalyptus that they eat from which species of tree. Like they Mm -hmm. develop preferences for what eucalyptus leaves they eat, Um, which poses a problem when you're rescuing them from like bushfires. But what happens is, so eucalyptus leaves are toxic. And while they have a lot of water in them, they don't provide a lot of energy to Mm -hmm. a koala or to anything. They Eucalyptus leaves pretty much are advertising that they don't want to be eaten. Leave our leaves alone. (laughs) Leave it alone. Right. They, they are strictly for harvesting and putting on the floor of your shower to make it smell nice, right? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. And so because it offers so little energy and how koalas actually uh, digest it, their food, what they do is they are what is called a hind fermenter, uh, which means that they uh, ferment the food in their lower intestine and that can take anywhere from 100 to 200 hours wait which what wow in the wild they will they can ferment eucalyptus leaves in their lower intestine for up to 100 hours in captivity it can be up to 200 hours so this is what oh, they need to do to get all the nutrition out of the leaves? Uh-huh. No wonder they sleep all day. Right? Uh, and that's only about 10% of their energy needs that comes from fermented leaves. Now, are they getting the energy directly from the leaf itself? Or is there something about the fermentation process that is... I mean, is it, it's fermentation. Is it creating an alcohol that they're then processing? Or how does that work? That's an excellent question. I didn't look too far into it, but what I gathered from it is that they're taking, they're using the fermentation process to extract like fiber and protein from the leaves. So it's not so much the alcohol, it's not so much an alcohol. uh, It's just breaking down that leaf because it's really tough because they actually have a single chambered stomach. Mm-hmm. So, unlike right. a it, lot it was of reminding other me of like, yeah, it sounds like something like a deer with the, like the the multi chambered stomach. But if you only like, have one, that's real tough. 
Yeah. So like uh cow, for example, has what, like four chambers of in their stomach that helps move grass and all that through. Koalas have one chamber, which is really tough because not only are they trying to get all of these uh, leaves and they eat up to a pound of eucalyptus leaves a day. They're not getting that much energy from it. This is also their source of water. They don't leave the tree generally to get water unless they're like an alpha male. Most of their water and nutrition comes from these eucalyptus leaves. And because these leaves are so tough, so koalas have specific chewing teeth. And after about six years, when they turn six, their teeth start wearing down because these leaves are so tough. Mm-hmm. And unlike rodents who have continuously growing teeth koalas do not have that so a lot of koalas will actually die of starvation because their teeth wear down until they disappear and then they can't eat anymore wow i'm still confused though rachel because i thought you said that they only got 10 percent of their energy from the leaves being fermented in their lower intestines so they Where don't the just ferment. From? They don't just ferment uh, eucalyptus leaves. They also just eat them. Sometimes, if they want some added ener- need some added energy, they'll ferment them. Uh, they uh, are a little more generalist too, so they'll eat some other things, but they don't just eat eucalyptus. That is their preferred food, though. It's a good gotcha. question, though. What I also wanted to touch on is that. What we shared actually in our post uh, on our (laughs) social media is uh, so 90% of female koalas have chlamydia. Uh, It's about 73% of all koalas that have chlamydia. And which is a whole other problem. And it actually causes a lot of different issues because chlamydia is not a good disease to have it can cause a lot of urinary tract infections and even blindness in some koalas but uh the males in order to mate with the females even though they have chlamydia what they'll do and i learned this and i i didn't know what sound do you think koalas make do koalas make a sound what when they're mating or in general to attract a female. I don't know the mate. answer in either case. I'd sort um, of imagine a kind of a groaning, grunting sound. I don't know. But just because this is strange by nature, I'm going to say uh, a blood curdling scream, which I <laughs> hope is be... wrong. <laughs> should, should, we, uh, should we make a sound that we think a koala makes? I would love that. Please do. Uh... Okay. Um, why, why are you making me do this? I'm going to guess they they go like, I have nothing to base that on. That's fair. So males are the primary communicators and no joke. The descriptor was males communicate through loud bellows. Okay. So grunts kind of, yeah. Sort of. So it's a very low sounding tone. And when I listened to this, it sounded somewhere between like a pig 
and a dog growl with like sure. a snore intonation. So, oh my goodness, it's kind of like a um, um, Rachel. I know Rachel, I need to. You know that Victoria and I just made funny noises into the microphone. So <laughs> I know it's my. You can turn. describe it all you want. We want people are demanding that we we hear the Rachel impression of a koala. So uh, this is go probably ahead. very wrong, but it's like a <laughs> type noise. Well, you, you know that's can going. Can you do that the, again? The, uh, <laughs> you know that's noise. going in the, the 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 preview for the for the episode. You understand? <laughs> of course it is. Okay. That really cleared my sinuses. Good. good. Um, How, what did it do for your chlamydia? Does it work in there? I'm I'm really glad to say that it's all cleared up. I don't have any. <laughs> oh, it's all cleared up. Good. Okay. <laughs> Also, so I don't have chlamydia. Interesting choice of words, Rachel. It's like that old joke. Have you stopped beating your wife, Rachel? Do you still have chlamydia? <laughs> yes or no, Rachel? Uh, I'd never had it. That's that's not a that yes would, or no. That is not. All um, right, this episode is going off the rails. This is the quality oh, content people come here for. <laughs> Uh, but that was mostly, that was pretty much all I had for uh, koalas. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to touch on is that uh, they have two opposable thumbs on their hands uh, that they use to grip branches. Oh, wait. To hold on extra tight. Hold on extra tight. So they have two opposable thumbs. That's outstanding. And two of their toes are actually fused together. And they use those toes, those fused toes, to actually comb through their wool-like fur. They have their own grooming tools. Yes. Attached to their feet. Wow. That is stunning. That's what I've got for you today. (laughs) Thanks for sharing a bit about koalas with us. Anytime. About a year ago, I was taking a shower and I realized we had 15 different plastic bottles in the shower. There were bottles for shampoos and conditioners, face and body washes, tile cleaners, you name it. If you're like me, you are always looking for ways to remove plastic waste from your life. So this really bothered me. How many plastic shampoo bottles will be on earth literally forever just so I can have clean, beautiful hair? Friends, I knew there had to be a solution, but hunting them all down online made my head spin. I didn't know who to trust. Let me tell you, I finally found the solution. Ecocation.com. That's E-C-O-C-C-A-S-I-O-N.com. Ecocation has tested and expertly curated the best ecological home solutions from around the world and put them all in one convenient place. Strange by Nature listeners get 5% off a checkout by using the code STRANGE. So be sure to check out E-C-O-C-C-A-S-I-O-N.com for all your green household needs. All right, we're back from the break. And today I am going to start off my story with um, a man named Stéphane Le Tourant. He uh, He's in Montreal. He, this was the spring of 2018. And he was an insect researcher. And he was really excited because he had gotten something extremely rare and valuable. This was a batch of 13 eggs that they knew were from a very rare leaf insect from Papua New Guinea. Um, the insect's scientific name is Philium asciensi, um, and not very much is known about it. Um, 
it's very hard to find leaf insects in the wild because these are insects that look pretty much exactly like leaves. So never would have guessed. Yeah, go figure. Um, they're so well camouflaged. The females don't have wings and they spend their entire lives up in the canopy unless they happen to be blown out of the tree. The males do have wings, so they will fly to where the females are to mate with them. But um, the, they're extremely rare. And in fact, for this species, the only specimens known to science were females. And so Stefan uh, was eagerly awaiting the hatching of these eggs so that he could find out a little bit more about the males. Well, finally, five of the eggs hatched into little nymphs. Um, and Stefan and his team offered them a variety of tasty leaves. Two of them would not eat and died. But finally, three of the nymphs began to develop into adults. And one of them grew to look just as leaf-like as her mom. And actually, it's really interesting because the species can be green or brown or kind of a greeny brown. So it's a live leaf or a dead leaf or a dying leaf. Um, interesting. The other two started looking very different. Uh, they, they were skinny and looked more like sticks and started developing wings. So they were mm. the males, but they were so different looking that you would really not know that they were the same species. Um, in fact, I have an email I'm going to send you guys here. Oh, dear. Now. That makes me nervous. Last time you sent us an email, there was face mites. No, this face is this is much it. less gross. Okay. They're kind of cute, in my opinion. All right. Okay, I have my email. I'm looking at it here. There's I'm a picture. Looking at mine. Ooh, Wait. these are very cool Ooh. looking. They look like kind of like oak leaves to me. Yeah. Wait, you said these were from Papua New Guinea. Yes. Huh. They they have plants with leaves in Papua New Guinea as well, Rachel. I mean, I figured that, but I wasn't sure. I think of that as more of a tropical place, not some place with like an oak. Well, I mean, just because it looks a bit like an oak leaf to us doesn't mean that there's another kind of tree in Papua New Guinea that doesn't have similar looking leaves. That's yeah, very and also, true. For, for our listeners at home, too, it looks a bit like a, a fig leaf, uh, like a um, kind of a, oval a fiddle fig. Yeah, it feels. Yeah, it's kind of oval with uh, these the six legs that have like really fat like biceps going down into really skinny forearms. If you compared it to like humans. And the arms actually there's like little leaflets coming off the arms, which to me almost look like a part of the leaf that's been chewed away by insects. It looks like a insect chewed leaf, which is even more sort of amazing that it's not it's yes. not a perfect leaf. It's sort of a it's a leaf that's been beat up and chewed on and you just walk right past it or fly right past it and wouldn't give it a second thought. That oh, is absolutely. a camouflage adaptation that some leaf insect species have. Yeah, so good observation, Kirk. Well, so Stefan was looking at these males that had developed, looking so different and skinnier than the females, and he was in touch with another leaf insect researcher that he knew who lived in New York and they were kind of talking back and forth and they figured out that these males looked like a species that had been identified in 1906 and put into an entirely different genus. Um, and it was known wow. only from male specimens. <laughs> <laughs> and so they figured out that 
the females that were assigned to one genus and the males that were assigned to another genus were in fact the same species. They just looked Uh-oh. completely different. Yeah, oh, so I love awesome. science. <laughs> so crazy. Um, but in fact, actually not that unusual for this group of insects. So this order of insects um, is usually referred to as the stick insects or walking sticks, and the leaf insects are a, a subgroup within that. Mm-hmm. So the stick insects are known as phasmids, which I think is, it sounds like a superhero in my opinion. Pretty awesome. Um, these are some of the longest insects on earth. Uh, there's one species that reaches up to 64 centimeters, which is more than two feet. What? Yeah. I'm That's, sorry. What? Hubba, wait. You hubba, said hubba. two feet. Can we just go back to the point where you said it was a two foot long insect? Yeah, 64 centimeters. Oh my. You always bring the best nightmare fuel, I gotta say. They're plant where eaters. is this so I know never to go there? Uh, Papua New Guinea. Oh no, but oh, we don't okay. know where the, where these, the long These one insects is. actually occur on all the continents except for uh, Antarctica. Antarctica. Yeah. Cool. I don't remember. I don't know specifically where the the two footers live. Sorry, you'll have to look that up yourself. I know this, um, there's there's a limit to how big insects can get nowadays because they have bu- the oxygen uh, the, in the yeah they mm-hmm. have the book lung which just can't get that much oxygen out of the atmosphere. Uh, so it's surprising to hear that there can be one that's so large. I think days. it's because they're so skinny. Is part of it. it. Could be. Mm. Anyway, this whole group has amazing camouflage looking really a lot like sticks or leaves some of them can even change color um, or a lot of them sway as they move to to mimic trees in the wind i'm doing that right now so it's great yeah it's a very Uh, nice sway great great radio there just yeah the audience is not seeing any of that but in addition to uh the camouflage some of them also have secondary defenses like threat displays um mimicry to look like ants or scorpions sharp defensive spines on their legs, and sometimes smelly or painful chemical sprays. Um, but now we get to the really weird stuff. Many phasmids We weren't are... already there? <laughs> well, this is weirder. Uh, a lot of phasmids are parthenogenic. So what that means is the females can produce eggs without fertilization from a male. And so all of the eggs will hatch as females that are clones of their mother. These ladies are oh doing it gosh. for themselves. Nice. Um, yeah. Th- so in these species, there's often, go figure, a really skewed sex ratio, and males can be super rare. And um, it's also, like with the, the story I started out uh, with, there, there's pretty big sexual dimorphism in a lot of these species where males and females look really different. So those are just some of the really weird things that I learned about stick and leaf insects. I awesome. work yeah, with we... leaf insects, actually. Well, they're praying mantises. Different group, but yes. they do have a kind of a leafy aspect to them, don't they? Yeah, they do. These ones yeah, are all leaf of... ones, so. Yeah, all the stick insects are um, herbivores and praying mantises are predators. Yeah. Well, one thing we will do is uh, if we can, we're going to get some pictures of these up on our, our Instagram and our Twitter and Facebook and stuff so people can see these uh, when the episode comes out and, and understand how bizarre these things really are. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for being here, everybody.
Thanks, everyone, for listening to today's show. Be sure to subscribe. New episodes drop every Wednesday, and we love sharing this strange world with all of our listeners. If you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, that would be great. It lets other lovers of The Strange discover the show. You can reach out to us on social media by searching for Strange by Nature Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can send us an email as well. Our address is contact at strangebynaturepodcast.com. If you want more information about the show, you can also check out our website, which is strangebynaturepodcast.com. Until next week, get outside, stay curious, and embrace the strange. Waiting for the email. Got one from the Alumni Association. We'll, We'll edit all this out.